How do we lead our people well during an election season? Harry Noble is our guest this week talking about politics and controversy. It's all on episode 43 of the Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now here's your host, podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, Andrew Hess. Well, thanks for tuning in to episode 43 of the Church Leaders Podcast. This week, we're excited to tell you about a new ministry effort called Ministry U. We're bringing you practical online training from today's leading ministry experts. Head on over to ministryu.com to learn more and sign up for updates. This week, our guest is Perry Noble. Perry is a senior pastor at New Spring Church in Anderson, South Carolina. Each week, he preaches to 32,000 people at their church's 11 satellite campuses. We ask Perry how he is leading during the current political season, and you'll really want to hear his answer to why he doesn't endorse political candidates and what he wants his people to be focused on despite the upcoming election. And now, here's our conversation with Perry Noble. Perry, it is such a privilege to have you on the Church Leaders Podcast. Uh, Thanks so much for being with us this afternoon. It's great to be with you guys. Perry, you're the pastor of New Spring Church there in Anderson, South Carolina. Um, 11 campuses, 35,000 people that you're ministering to on a given weekend. Um, What what are you most thankful for uh, about leading your church there in Anderson? Man, I'm excited that my wife shows up to hear me preach every week. I feel like that's a major win. Um, I just, I don't know. We keep opening the doors and people keep showing up. And so I, uh, I'm having a ball. I'm having a blast. I'm learning a lot. And um, it's a daily journey. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we love to do at the Church Leaders Podcast, we have a lot of pastors and ministry leaders that listen to our show and we love solving problems for them. Um, you know, taking some things that a lot of a lot of leaders think about and and getting somebody who has wisdom like you do and saying, okay, how do we think about this? And so today what we want to talk about is is how we lead well. How do we lead God's people well in the midst of a political season like we have right now? Uh, a lot of our people are are thinking about politics. They're, they're maybe losing sleep over um, the coming election. And so as you think about that, how do you, what are some things that you do to make sure you're leading your people well through that time? So it's insane. I tell people, especially in the southeastern part of the United States, if you want to start a war, um, talk about college football, Jesus, or politics. And so, and if you combine either of those two, I mean, there's a lot of emotion around those subjects. And so I always encourage our church, hey, I think you should pray about it. I think you should know what the candidates stand for, and I believe you should vote. I, I really do. I think it's just a, a privilege as an American. I think we should pray for our leaders. The Bible says pray for our leaders. But I'm very, very, very careful to not specifically endorse a candidate or a party. And and some pastors do, and that's their prerogative. I'm just personally the guy that's never going to do that. So one of the things, even over the past couple Sundays, I've told um, – our church, hey, the one thing the Democrats and Republicans all have in common is they've they've disappointed us all. Don't put your hope in a political party. Put your hope in Jesus, but be involved. So it's 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 a tension, right? It's a tension that we manage. Where I'm not trying to necessarily solve the problem, so I'm addressing it and and then encouraging them to participate in the process. But ask Jesus, ask the Holy Spirit to lead them in how they vote. And what's the problem with pastors who might? like want to endorse a candidate or lead it, lead their people that direction. I mean, what's the problem you see, potential problem you see there? So this is a, it's a personal conviction. 
um, of mine. So if a pastor wants to endorse a candidate, um, that's up to him or her. I, I don't, you know, I just don't think there's any value in it. Like, I think at the end of the day, if we use our platform to endorse a party or a candidate, that's, for me, it's taking the attention off of Jesus and putting your hope into a policy or a party. And I just don't want to lead the the people that God's called me to, to lead that way. I don't want to put their eyes on a political party or a particular person. I want to put their eyes on the person of Jesus and be like, hey, Jesus is our hope. And he can save people no matter who is in office. I, I did an interesting thing the other week where I was like, you know, it, it doesn't matter really who the leader of the country is. I mean, let's say we get the worst leader ever. God's used some pretty horrible leaders in the scriptures for his glory. And so I just think it's the wrong place to put time, effort, energy, and hope. Mm-hmm. And I think that hope is the is the right direction to think about it in terms of how do we shift our hope from what's going on in the world right now? I think that's a challenge that a lot of people have is is it seems like I feel hope filled when my my life's going well or things in in my particular circumstances going well. How do you how do you do preach the hope of the gospel in a way where people can work through that? Okay, so the world has problems, um, and nobody's going to argue with that. Christian, non Christian, we can all agree that we live in a messed up world. But what I've tried to encourage just myself with and what I've tried to encourage other people with is at the end of the day, ISIS is a serious problem, but it's not a Republican problem and it's not a Democrat problem. It's a gospel problem. The only thing that's going to stop ISIS and terrorism is, is the gospel. And so at the end of the day, I feel like the gospel platform is way better than another platform. Poverty is not an, um, a political problem because Republicans have exploited the poor and Democrats have exploited the poor. So there's not a guilty party. I mean, all are guilty. But at the end of the day, poverty is a gospel problem. If we could step into um, gospel, gospel-centered issues, hey, go all the way back to the big financial meltdown housing bubble of 2007, 2008. That wasn't caused by Republican policies or Democratic policies. That was caused by greed, good old-fashioned greed. And at the end of the day, Republicans and Democrats don't know how to solve greed, but the gospel does. And so that's where I'm going to choose to put my cards when I'm when I'm playing my chips, uh, to use a gambling metaphor there. I, I just I just I'm a gospel guy at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I think that for a lot of our leaders, when they experience this most in their leadership after a sermon or when people come into their office and say, you know, I'm losing sleep over the election. I'm I'm stressed out about it. I'm worried about the future of the country. How do you give care to somebody who comes to you and says, you know, Pastor, I'm I'm so worried about the future of this nation. So recently, I shared this with um, the church, and somebody asked me afterwards, so like, was that true? And I was like, no, I just made it up on the spot. But it it really is true. About three months ago, about three or four months ago, I was experiencing a pretty high level of just stress and anxiety, to be honest with you. And I've talked about that, and written, but I'm, it was it was like unusually high. And I was like, well, I don't know. Do I need to talk to my doctor? I mean, do I need to switch up medications? What is it? And I legitimately made one change. And this is it. This is all I did. 
I stopped watching the news and I stopped listening to political talk radio. And I'm telling you, I'm in a state of freedom right now. I know what's going on in the world. I know, I, I know what's going on in the world. Give me five minutes in a computer and I can skim some websites and just look at the headlines. But man, I am not listening to um, people that fuel hate and mistrust of other people. And that's on both sides. That's on both sides. And the other thing is we had, this was way back in 2008, we had a political candidate contact our church and say, you know, I'd love to preach in your church on one particular night. And I was like, well, I was like, thank you so much. We're so honored. You're welcome to attend, but you can't preach. Um, they're like, well, can you recognize me from the stage? Well, no, we got, you know, got a lot of people here. You know, we could, we'll pull you in. We might say hey or something. And the the guy who called, who on behalf of the presidential candidate said, why wouldn't you let our guy come and speak? And I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, if he gets elected um, and I come to Washington, D.C., will he let me speak? Like to like the press or to the House or to the Senate? And the guy on the other end of the phone goes, no. And I said, well, in my opinion, what we're doing is way more important than what the president of the United States is doing, because what we're doing is actually going to matter in 2000 years. And so I'm going to have to say no. And, and, and it was a little weird, but that's I mean, that's honestly the way I feel. I think that's really good, because I do think that worry, you know, I know that you've written about worry. You have a book that came out, I think, last year on worry. And can you tell us a little bit about that book, how that book came about for you and kind of, you know, what place that came out of your own heart? Yeah, well, it came out of a season of just like anxiety and depression that I I experienced. Um, I went through back in 2009, 2010, 2011, a period of pretty severe anxiety and panic attacks, um, depression. And it wasn't because the church was doing bad. Um, everybody goes off oh, the church does bad you'll get depressed the church was growing like crazy and i was having a freak suicidal thoughts i mean i got to the point where i was suicidal and uh and so i got some help i actually i got a lot of help through that process and came out on the other end of it and um i remember sitting around talking to our creative team one day and we we're talking about series ideas and I said, you know what? I think I want to do this series. This was several years ago called Overwhelmed. And when we talk about overwhelmed, we're going to talk about stress, anxiety, fear, worry, depression, and how I overcame suicidal thoughts. And we we didn't put a whole lot of marketing into the series. We didn't put a whole lot. I just said, hey, for about two, three weeks, hey, we're starting a brand new series, and this is what I'm going to talk about. And we had record attendance. And it was like the surprise that you didn't expect. I was like, oh, there's a lot of people here. And then they came back the next week and then they came back the next week. And it was, I was like, oh my gosh, there's a lot more people dealing with this than, than I realized. In fact, the day I preached a message on considering taking my own life, we had like dozens of people go to the care room and say, that's what I thought about this week. And, um, I don't want to, I don't want to take my own life. So help me. I mean, it was unreal. And so on the back of that, I was like, well, you know what, if we can help people, if my story can help people, then I'll write about it and we'll put it out there and see what it does. Mm -hmm. I think it's so powerful because I think a lot of leaders are afraid to get that personal, to share their struggle. Why do you feel like ministry is one of those things where pastors feel like, I mean, I can't really be honest about a struggle to that to that degree? It goes back to our, so how old are you? I'm 35. You're 35, I'm 44. 
Um, so our parents, so our parents' generation, um, in that generation, the pastor was the hero. The pastor was the man of God or the woman of God. They never made a mistake. They ne- I mean, they just didn't do anything wrong. And so people our age came along, and we're sitting in the church going, I can't connect with that person because I don't think— when, when they fart, I don't think it stinks. And so I, I just don't think I can really buy into what they're saying. I had a guy one time who was mentoring me. Great man, godly man. Love him with all my heart. And he told me, um, he's like, the pastor can't make a mistake. The pastor has to be perfect. You can't let people see your flaws. I mean, I remember hearing this going, yes, sir, writing all of it down. And um, it was in the early years of our church. And I preached a message on the subject of pornography and it was tense in the room. I mean, it was just unreal. And at the end of the message, I was basically talking to men. I was like, men, you can be set free from pornography. You can be set free. You can walk in freedom. And I said, you know how I know this? I said, I gave my life to Christ in 1990 and I went into ministry, but I didn't overcome my pornography addiction until 1999. So I struggled with pornography as nine, for nine years as a follower of Jesus, and I overcame it. And if I did, you can too. And we had the care response that day. The people that responded to the invitation was what – because we didn't expect anybody to respond to the invitation, right? If you respond to the invitation on pornography, everybody knows what you're doing. But like floods and floods of people, men and women, going – I want to be set free. And the number one reason they said they responded was, um, well, he said he did it. He was transparent. And the transparency allowed them to say, okay, if he battled with that and he won, then I can battle with it and win too. And so I want to know how to do that. Well, I think I think that's the the powerful thing about being a transparent leader is is people can relate better to you. You know, in that book, in that series that you that you taught on overcoming depression and some of these things, what were, what were some of the big things that really resonated with people? Like what were, the, what were some of the driving ideas that you really wanted people uh, to see in that series? I, I wanted to acknowledge that worry is a legitimate thing. As Christians, we love to sanitize things and put Bible verses on stuff. But there's some stuff that it's like, man, I could give you a Bible verse, but I, oh God, that just sucks. And being that real and being that authentic. So I think telling people, hey, if you deal with anxiety, I deal with anxiety. If you deal with worry, I deal with worry. If you deal with fear, uncertainty, I deal with that. And let me tell you, let me let me just tell you some things I am doing, not things I've done, but things I'm doing that's helping me in that battle currently. And I, I don't know. I just think um so we've done that series twice. We've done an overwhelmed series twice in our church. And Every time we just had people, this is the lie people think. I'm the only one in this room struggling with that right there. I'm the only one struggling with worry. I'm the only one. So this was real interesting. After I wrote the book and just had to kind of reprocess everything emotionally after writing the book, I started having panic attacks again. So I called my medical doctor and I said, hey, man, I did the first time I went through it, like the first time I overcame depression and fear, anxiety and all this stuff. No medication, none, just lots of Christian counseling, lots of lifestyle adjustments. But there was just something happening in me. And he said, I think we need to start you on 
um, a low dose of meds. And I was like, well, yeah, I can, I get like, I, can I get that today? And so I started on meds and I remember there was a Sunday in the sermon where it was an illustration. And I told people, Hey guys, I started on anti-anxiety medicine. It's either anti-anxiety or antidepressant. I'm not sure which one it is. It's one of those, one of them's bad, one of them's good. So I, Whatever my doctor prescribed for me, I started on it. And you know what? It's really helped me. Well, we had hundreds of people. I had no idea we had that many medicated people in our church. But we had hundreds of people going, you know what? I've always felt guilty about taking medication. And, um, man, thank you so much. That that helped me out so much. And so just relating to people where they are is huge. Mm-hmm. I do think we live at a time where people are very busy. You're very busy. You have so much on your plate. Can you talk a little bit about how you connect with God on a daily basis that kind of lays the foundation? For me personally, you know, and everybody's different, but I'm a Bible guy. I love to get up every morning and just read the Bible. It's the way I start every day. Um, It doesn't make me better. It doesn't make me worse. It just, that's the way I connect. I'm not really a prayer guy. You you know, I'll hear people, so-and-so can go in a room and pray for an hour. And that to me is like torture. I don't think I've ever prayed for an hour at one time. Some people love to do worship music and they'll just sing. And me, usually about two songs in, I'm like, okay, what what else we got to do? And everybody's got their preferences. But for me, that early morning time when I can just get alone with a cup of coffee and a Bible and a pen is the most rewarding thing for me. The other thing that's really helped me is like getting away. Like, intentionally disconnecting, having a vacation, getting away, just kind of relaxing and, and, uh, schedule, putting that in your schedule. Cause you will never, as a leader, you will never quote unquote have time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a leader, that means you're never going to have time. You got to make time to get away. Mm-hmm. Perry, one of uh, the, the articles that you've had on church leaders that has been most popular was 10 warning signs that you might not be a healthy leader. And in that article, you kind of walked through some different warning signs that, you know, just, just that leaders could take an inventory of, man, am I pursuing health? One of the things you mentioned in that piece was technology and how use of technology can be a type of warning sign. Can you talk a little bit about that and how, how you use technology, but also how you balance that? Yeah, if you're using technology way more than you're talking to the people in the room, that can be a major problem. So what I was doing, and this was like before Snapchat or anything like that, is I would go home, I had a blog, and I would go home and look at the blog and look at comments and look at stuff like that, and I'm completely ignoring my wife and my daughter, hello, who are in the room, and I remember the day I realized I was doing that, I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta, I, you know, I gotta watch it, and it's so easy, it's so easy to slide into, because you're with the people that you love, and you're like, oh my gosh, Bible boy 182 doesn't like me on Twitter and said something negative about me. And, uh, and then, you know, you're letting it, and he's got 14 followers and 13 of those were paid to follow him. And so you, you, you just allow it to get your mind in an unhealthy place. And so for me personally, I've, if, if my stress level is really, really high, that's one of the questions I ask myself is how much am I diving into technology right now? And I think that another, like you bring up family and, and like the family life balance. I think every pastor, a lot of people listening to this will kind of resonate with that. Like, man, it is so easy to feel like you're always overworking. For you, you have so much going on, you know, there at New Spring. 
How do you kind of maintain that balance, make sure that you're not working too much, but making room for your family and the rest of your life? Well, I could list about three or four things, but to be honest with you, I don't think I'd do that well. I think I'm out of balance. I think I'm trying to be balanced, but this is the question that um, all leaders ask. I mean, people will call and they'll go, how do you turn it off? How do you turn it off? How do you turn it off? And my response is always, um, if you're called, you can't turn it off. Like the way you know you're working at a job that does not matter is when you can turn it off when you leave. I can't turn this off because I'm addicted to life change. I'm addicted to seeing people meet Christ. I'm addicted to seeing people get set free. I'm, I'm addicted to that. So I can't turn it off. I've got to consciously make the decision to pay attention to what's in front of me rather than um, a pers- online perception that, you know, at the end of the day, if if I died and had a funeral, most of my Twitter followers wouldn't show up, but the people I love would, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really good. Perry, thank you so much for taking time to speak with our audience. Um, a lot of pastors look to you for your wisdom and guidance, and so thanks so much for sharing with us today. Hey, thank you guys so much for all that you guys do. This is an amazing podcast. It's a resource that I use personally, and I don't just say that legitimately. I have it on my iPod right now. And I, I just so appreciate you guys and all that you're doing. Y'all keep up the good work. Thanks so much to Perry Noble for joining us this week as our special guest on the Church Leaders Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it helps us if you take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes. And also consider sending this episode to someone you know who might benefit from listening to it. Also, make sure to download the show notes for this episode at churchleaders.com forward slash podcast. In the show notes, we always put resources mentioned in the show and links to some of our guest top content on churchleaders.com and from around the web. As always, if you have ideas on how we can improve this podcast or guests that you'd like to hear on the show, you can email me directly at podcast at churchleaders.com. Those emails go right into my inbox, and I always enjoy hearing from you, our listeners. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.